Vibe Machine Hi there, I'm Josh Giff, and this is a podcast I have that talks directly to incredible and iconic, or soon-to-be iconic, artists about the album art they have designed, created, and developed. This is the third part of our chat with Masaki Kyoke, Grammy Award winner, box set guru, and just about the nicest guy around. It makes our chat great with someone who has such a rich history and brings elements of his life into his art, from his early youth of studying graffiti in his suburb to his parents who had received Japanese parcels in the mail with intricate and delicate paper wrapping that he'd collect. Taking these elements into his work has seen him leave his mark on enormous acts with just as enormous legacies. I get to go into even more fan mode at the start of this episode, and I'm not too sure that Masaki realised the art that he got me excited wasn't the enormous packages, but rather the work he did on the cars. We pick the chat up as we delve into this fantastic design. Vibe Machine When I saw that you'd done the Cars Best Of compilation, and I love the design, which is the TV set, the old 80s TV mm-hmm. set where, you know, no programming anymore, so they have the lines come over the front. And yeah. it was, you know, very, very common when I was a kid. And then all of the interior art and, and everything. So I was really interested, were they an act that you perhaps were you a fan of or were they one that that you had to go and really research and become get a new appreciation of oh yeah i was a fan i was a huge (laughs) fan yeah um you know and you know the reason why the tv's on the cover was because it was around the time when mtv started playing music videos and if i'm not mistaken they were one of the first like bands to like have a music video yeah they were you know and so when i saw magic i was like what is going on why is he walking on water like this is crazy this is like a you know total like psychedelic trip here and yeah i i sort of yeah i i i was a fan of theirs for sure i remember listening to their music when i was a kid it just it was very poppy so it doesn't it didn't really fit within the sort of like the 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 library of music that i would describe as like my favorite stuff Mm. But somehow, like, sometimes, like, you know, like, recent, like, sometimes it happens, and that's the beauty of it all. You have to be open-minded, you know? Like, recently, maybe this isn't something I should admit on a podcast, but it's all right, you know? I, like, I listened to the Billy um, Ellish, like, new record, and I'm like, wow, this is yeah. usually stuff I I don't like, but I don't know, for some reason, <laughs> I like this. I've, be- I've become a 21 Pilots fan. I'm a huge 21 Pilots yeah. fan. And to be honest with you, I had barely heard them. Until um, I interviewed Brandon Reich for this podcast, and uh-huh, he talked uh-huh, so passionately uh-huh. about the the artwork and about yeah. how they felt yeah. that I went and researched them, and now myself and my kids we sing along to all the Twenty One Pilots songs. <laughs> so so don't worry, beautiful? you're not alone. Like, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. And and so and, like the cars, you know, like it just doesn't like it just doesn't register, you know, as something like n- nobody would say like, Hey man, you listen to this new band called the cars, you know? <laughs> I mean, at that time I was listening to it, you know, I think like, you know, like probably like run DMC or something, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, just yeah. something that Early was like not boy. cool, yeah. you know, like yeah. that was like kind of off the beaten path, you know, that was sort of forgotten. Like, you mm. know, you sort of like to be in that little niche, you know, because you're going through, you know, like you're, 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 you're trying to find your identity, but, yeah. uh, but like the cars, like just, their videos, everything about them was like, wow, this is really cool. The, the so, thing I loved about the cars is that Rick um, Okasek did not look like a typical yeah. rock star. 
he was sort of tall no, and gangly right. and it yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he, he sort of stood still when he played and he wasn't this you know he wasn't this flamboyant thing but uh-huh. they had these songs mm-hmm. that just and what they lacked in that that persona although he had his own sort of stage presence which was amazing they made up for with their the graphics and the graphics and the videos and what you were talking about so this yeah, is such yeah. a perfect companion to that to them and yet it's brought it forward, right? It's brought it into something that yeah. is contemporary. So someone someone younger will pick up and go, oh, wow, I've heard of them. This is very cool. I'm going to yeah. go and play this. I, that's the goal, yeah. You hope that people <laughs> would look at it and go like, yeah, this looks interesting. I'd like to check it out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's always fun when, um, you know, you're you're working on something that you really, like, truly enjoyed, you know, or in, and continue to listen to. And, God, when I, was, when, I start, when I was working on this project, I remember just, yeah, it was constantly playing. Like it was, <laughs> it was incredible how much I listened to it. You know, like all the oh. all the albums. You know, I must have played the song "You Might Think" a thousand times. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, same <laughs> same with me. Um, yeah, and and the music videos, of course, are just always you know oh. they, they sort of dated themselves a little bit, but they're still fun to watch. You know, yeah. Um, and, and the history where just the catchy. model that's in a few of them married. Rick Ocasek. I think that's it all just sort of they've got this history about them as well. It's just incredible. It's yeah. Just, it's just such a rich mm-hmm. tapestry. And and talking about a rich tapestry, we we should talk about mm-hmm. the Woodstock fiftieth edition, which which has just come out. It is unbelievable. And when you get asked to work, I mean you've done the Grateful Dead, you've done all this stuff, but you get mm-hmm. asked to do the fiftieth edition of Woodstock. That must be a oh my god! I'm really playing with a bit of music history here. Yeah, you you just you, yeah you get called you know for that kind of project. You're not going to say no, you know. Um, <laughs> and I knew that going into it, it was going to be a pretty tumultuous project because of the scope of it. And you know, yeah. talking to the producer and knowing that this was going to be the most comprehensive, definitive Woodstock you know collection they've ever put out. Totally like put that aside. And I'm like yes. I'm going to do it. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll endure, you know. But it definitely uh you know, it it was uh it was it was quite an undertaking, an exhausting mm-hmm. task for sure. This is sort of the last package that a lot of the people who were there will live to see of any sort of detail. Oh, I like, never thought of it that way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and that's to me that's the first thing I thought of. I thought 50th year, so these people were in their 20s and 30s. They're now in their 70s and 80s. Plus, you've got all the younger youth that are, that are going to gravitate towards it. But you've got this is the last package that these guys will likely see in their lifetime hmm. that the original, you know, that, that they'll be able to hold that will be of any sort of definitive nature. So, you know, obviously that wasn't hmm. something you thought of, but but that was the first thing that came to my mind. Sorry, I, I wanted to interject with that. <laughs> uh, no, that's a that's a great uh, that's that's a great way to look at it. There is so much to take in. You know, I think I've already kind of said something like this already but like you know it's really like yeah you figure someone that's 20 you do the math it's pretty easy like if the some if someone that was at woodstock you're probably like 18 or 20 years old or whatever yeah. you know you fast forward to 50 you know 50 years these people are probably already in their 70s right yep. um they're not gonna buy a box set you know i don't think no. some <laughs> will so, some uh, will but some but may some may yep. you know but their kids will and People who have right. fallen in love with Jimi Hendrix because of the amazing set that he did there and the people, you know, and, and just who played, mm-hmm. which was just yeah, such an incredible lineup. You're never going to get a lineup like that again. 
Um, it doesn't matter true. what, and you know. So, so you're going to get that young I, generation that's as well. Exactly it, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what you know. Again, it's the same thing where it's just like we all know Woodstock, you know, and it's kind of become like this, you know, like like a like a like a branded name at this yeah. point. Like I think you know, I was asked my students like you know how many people know like Woodstock, like class of like I think it was like 18 students or something. Like five of them raised their hand. You know, um, <laughs> it's sort of like they, they, and even them that the five that raised their hand sort of, you know, kind of knew what it was. And I honestly yeah. like going into, it, I of course know Woodstock. I've heard of it, but again, this is where all the research comes in. And boy, once I dove in, I was like, wow, there's like so much more to this than just it being a music festival. Yeah. You know, the story it a behind it. of so many things. Exactly. Yeah. The story. The yeah, story of that. people just trudging through the bush to get there, of, mm-hmm. you know, the fact it lost money, that they eventually just went, you know what, we're not even going to charge anymore. This is just going to be a riot. Let's just open the gates. And the, yeah. the entire, the entire, the fact that it was recorded at all, you know, <laughs> the fact that they, that mm-hmm. these acts were playing 12 and 15 hours after mm-hmm. their scheduled time, it was just, all of it was just, it made it the event that it, you know, or the iconic thing that it became. But actually living through it would have been, especially if you worked it, it would have been quite painful. You mean to go to Woodstock? No, no, to to be to, like to, one of to, the stagehands, to be one of the organisers. It would have been this massive oh, yeah. at the time. What, you, you would okay, have cried. So, <laughs> yeah, one of the things with uh, with with Woodstock that, you know, I, it was like one of our early meetings, a producer and I, was that it's become kind of like what, what they kind of stood against, what the counterculture stood against. Mm. Like, you know, they had like Woodstock shirts at Target, you yeah. know, with the, with the, with the bird perched on the, on the, on the, you know, guitar neck and, you know, all the images that we're so familiar with, you know, I thought if there's any chance at all, you know, my grand ambition was to sort of redefine what Woodstock actually was, yeah. you know, and look, if I was at Woodstock, I don't know if I'd really enjoy myself. It was a yeah. disastrous mess. Yeah. You know, um, it was three days of sitting out there without any su- supplies or surplus or any, <laughs> like, you know, they didn't even have water. Um, yep. you know, and then it starts raining in the mud in some like cow farm. I don't yep. know. <laughs> it seems yeah. like it's just a disaster. And, and that was so I, a lot of the acts, the acts played to, played to very small crowds because people were just, they couldn't even get to the stages. It was too muddy and they were right. too gone. And yet these amazing sets were played. <laughs> Yeah, it's just comical that, yeah, and you know, I, we started, um, kind of stuck with this theme that it was a messy splendor, you know, mm. and that really resonated with me because it, it made sense. Like, you know, it wasn't yeah. a pretty thing, you know, no. um, I didn't want to romanticize it at all. So like, you know, um, I was trying to do something where it felt more like kind of blurry memory of, of like overlapping images and, trying to sort of like you know visually sort of show what it looks like you know like any memory you know like yeah. when it gets cloudy you know there's a lot of drugs yeah. going around there's a lot of like people there's a lot of like noise there's a lot of like you know just a lot of um you know discomfort yeah. <laughs> i guess over and, the three days yeah and you haven't glorified it but you've made it authentic and that's the thing that comes across you know you haven't gone for the for the the nice partridge family looking logo or anything that that is typically yeah that sort of era of the bird on the guitar and things like that you've got no 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 let's let's go for let's go for the you know the picture mm-hmm. of the of the muddy wasteland with the cow on the american flag let's let's go for for what was actually yeah. there and let's have 
all these different elements layered over the top of each other of each of each design. Um, and it's you know, yeah, it gives it that you know that realness and that something that that yeah, you know, a lot of people will really appreciate. You can you can tell instantly it's something that people who are interested in any way would be completely obsessed with. And and it was it was uh from the get go there was a few things that like I kind of set myself like to to kind of commit to um and one of them was trying to like stick with materials that were like it's mm. funny because I, I I have a feeling I know what you're gonna say because it goes back to the very beginning of the conversation we're talking about like Japanese packaging and stuff and I never really looked at it that way but like you know trying to use like real wood real screws real materials. I was gonna um, say it, yeah. <laughs> without, without, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Without scanning wood or making it look faux or making it look yeah. fake or anything like the guitar, you know, strap and everything. The guitar strap, like, you know, yeah. yeah, like just all of that, you know, like try to keep it as what it was, you know, hmm. as much as possible, you know, and, you know, the plywood, um, and the, uh, the canvas wrap that's inside, um, was all sort of inspired like by the stage, you know, which was mm. like made out of plywood and like there was like yes. this canvas like awning thing over the stage. Um so, you know, it's it's sort of like those are the those references that I think become a really great thing to have when you're putting together a package because it makes sense to use those materials, you know. They didn't have and a lot of money so thinking. they use like cheap materials. Yeah, hopefully you why why is that used? Oh, and then you read about it and, and it, you know, you yeah. read inside the booklet and you you read online and you watch the documentaries. You go, ah, oh, makes sense now. That's that's why he's chosen mm-hmm. that. That's why that's done. And it gives it. I love artwork that opens up over time. That you can look at it now, but you can look at it down the track and get a different appreciation or find something new in it. And that's exactly what this does. Um, I'm so glad. Her, yeah, I'm, which I'm is obviously glad. the purpose. Yeah, but but you, you're going to have mm-hmm. people for generations mm-hmm. love this and you know, be highly sought after, and I'm sure it already is. So, you know, congratulations on that, because it is such a, such mm-hmm. an, uh, Thank you. a thing to put yeah. together, and, and such an exciting piece of music history that you get to put your own stamp on, which is very, very cool. Yeah, I really think this was like, you know, like every bit of, every step of the way in my journey as a graphic designer, I think it really culminates to this. It really, mm. I'm really happy with the way, like, everything came together and it wasn't easy at all. Um, you know, it's always midway where I'm like, Oh man, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of doubt because you're like, you know, it, it's a big thing and it's like, you know, yeah. is this really going to happen? Is it going to be the way I imagined it? Is it going to come out cheesy? Uh, where's it going to fail? Like, you know, what, like, you know, then there's budget concerns too. Yeah, um, the last thing, the biggest fear I had was just, you know, uh, yeah, we're making, you know, 1,969 units of the bigger box set, you know, are we going to sell like a hundred and the rest of them are going to sit in a warehouse? You know, that's like the <laughs> biggest fear, you know? Um, but no, yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at it, I'd probably like worried way too much about all the things that I shouldn't be worried about, but you know, it, it's sort of, um, I think maybe it comes with maturity too, but like, you know, it's a good sign that things like this sell out because a, like, you know, it means that there's a lot of interest out there and you know, what I'm doing doesn't go to waste and B, hopefully I'll get another project after this too. You know, you know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a special one for sure. By, by all means. I mean, 
um, I, I think like, uh, you know, just everybody involved put a lot of time and effort into it. And, um, every step of the way, um, you know, you just once and if these projects don't come around as often and this one in particular was a huge responsibility, you know, and I know how much it meant to the producer and how much it means to like, you know, Rhino. Um, and you know, it became very much a project that wasn't, was like so much, there was so much time invested uh, on my part and their part. And so yeah. you only could cross your fingers and hope that, you know, it all comes out as, as special as, 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 as can be, you know? Oh, and, and you've managed to do that and you've done it throughout your entire career. And, and even though it's a little bit off center, everyone should check out, um, uh, fix design, which is phyxdesign.com because you'll check out a lot of other things Nasaki's done that we, we haven't really touched on. So, you know, you've done a Dave Matthews, um, Europe, um, 09 book, which is mm-hmm. incredible. I was looking at that. And you've also <laughs> done the George Harrison exhibition. You've done, which, which yeah. once again is that legacy and you've, you know, you've got to really pay homage and you've, you've got a lot of people that have mm-hmm. know a lot of detail. So you've got to have all of it there plus, plus things they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've, you know, the amount of depth and the amount of detail you go into is mm-hmm. phenomenal. And so I urge everyone, please check out uh, what Masaki's done and, and try and, I know a lot of them are sold out, but try and track down some of these box sets because they are, they are going to be collector's items. Well, they already are, but they're going to be even, even more um, a collector item down the track. So uh, look, Masaki, yeah. I hope I've, 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 I've talked about everything you wanted to talk about. I always ask that question. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm hap- I'm just happy to be here, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, uh, you don't, you sort of choose this path, like, you know, every time you do like a interview or something like this, like there's, you don't, you don't think about these things on a daily basis, no. you know. Yeah. And I, I'm a pretty happy guy overall, and I think a lot of it has to do with what I do, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of part of the you know, it's it's part of my life. You know, I mean, this mm. is my life. You know, I like Incredible. to make things. It, you know, and so and, and to be able to share it with people, that would make you and happy. to be able to that share it to with make people. <laughs> yeah, boy, you should. Yeah, I there's one time I saw somebody wearing. It wasn't even all that great of artwork, but somebody was wearing a shirt that I did, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> I've made it." <laughs> you know. Uh, it was just kind of cool. Like they liked the it that much of, to wear it. I love it. They, I love they're it. wearing it, and I happened to be there. You know, this was in San Francisco, and I happened to been at this bar, and the guy was wearing this shirt, and I was like, "There it is!" Like in in actual existence, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really flattering, you know, to to kind yeah. of um, look back at all this stuff, and it it makes it's flattering, but it also makes you know me feel old, and you know I hope that you know. <laughs> Later on down the line, you know, I'll still be doing this and I'll be just as interested, you know, and curious about like, I'm you know, sure you will be. project I'm working on. But, I'm uh, sure you will be yeah, a lot of you've, fun. You've had this amazing career. And uh, look, we do finish with two questions for every single episode. And I don't, I don't warn people beforehand. I normally get in trouble for that. So I apologize up front. Um, but the very first question I ask is, is there any album artwork out there that you look at and you think, I wish I had done that? Is there any album artwork that you would love to have put your name against? Hmm. That's, that's <laughs> a tricky one because I don't want to insult anybody, but, um, look, I, I really like, I like, I like, uh, I know this is 
they're a bigger band, but I, I definitely like, you know, um, what Radiohead's done. Um, right. yes. I think I look at their artwork and I, I sometimes wish like, wow, that would have been so much fun to work on. <laughs> um, yeah, the, it comes from all walks. I mean, I, it, sometimes I see something where I'm like, uh, I just saw something for, um, oh, Jeez, it's called the Desert Sessions or something like that. Yes, yes, and I yes. Saw the, the Josh artwork Homme. and I was yeah. like, "Are you kidding me? Like that is yeah. unreal." Yeah. Um, it looks so beautiful, and you know, it does. uh, it I I don't even own it yet. Um, but I'm definitely thinking about getting it because I think that's the power of of art and design is yeah. it can actually persuade you, um, into oh. like buying things and investigating further. A hundred percent. That's the that's why I do this podcast because that's what I do. I the Majority of albums, even if I like the band, I've yeah. got to love the artwork for me to physically own it. So, um, a great, yeah. a great, yeah. great couple of answers there. But, and it does lead into the very last question I've got, Masaki, which is, is there any artist, living or of past, and you've worked with both living artists and past artists that you would, <laughs> that you haven't worked with that you would love to? Is there anyone out there that you go, I'd love to do a package for these guys? Uh, this is going to be really odd. Um, because, you know, I think it would be a real challenge and in, an interesting challenge for me to work with like, um, someone that's completely off my radar, but perhaps not, be it, but <laughs> I would love to challenge myself to do something with like Bjork. Oh, I'm, I'm yes. not, I'm not like it. I honestly don't even listen to her music. Mm. Uh, but whatever, I think it was MM Paris or non-format. One of those guys does the Bjork packaging. I just, I don't, it's just on a whole different realm. It is. Uh, I love, and that's partly why I love being at Rhino was that, you know, while I'm working on Joni Mitchell, I'm also working on Black Sabbath. Like it's that yeah. whole gamut. Like I, that's, that's what I love about graphic design. What I do is that it needs to respond to what you're doing. So I love to know, like if I worked with Bjork, like where it would take me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like would where, where you... would I go? Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. she's all over the place. I think that she would be someone who would be. Very Joni Mitchell-esque in how she approaches her artwork as well. I think she'd she'd and she'd have a bit of a say. <laughs> I'm I'm you know and I'm open. I'm not one of those. I I feel like I don't I don't know enough. You know. So I mean, if it's somebody that's going to add to the way I work and my process and the way I think and you know and you know everybody defaults to what's comfortable to them. You know. And I've yeah. worked with creative directors that sort of cracked my head open and like and I discovered a different side. Um, to look a different way to look at things, you know, I think that's part of the educational process that I really, really enjoy, you know? So if, yeah, even if she can be demanding, the results are there, Yeah, you know? And I think that would be just mind blowing. And who knows? Oh, I may regret it. <laughs> it might, it might well, be you something put it, that that's, yeah. Yeah. You've put it out there into the universe. So hopefully fingers crossed it'll happen down the track. But, uh, thank you so much for This has been an incredible journey through all of your artwork and through a lot of musical history that I love. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. How amazing was all of that? Masaki's career is the stuff of legend, and you just know he has so much more to come. Thank you. A huge thank you to Masaki, and thanks to you for tuning in, checking out this episode and all the other episodes on Undercovers Podcast. I hope to see you on socials. Please send me a message. I'd love to hear from you all. Thank you so much. Vibe. Machine.